0: The Longhorn family is mourning the loss of a famed alumni and booster Frank Dennius, who passed away Sunday. Dennius was a longtime supporter of the Texas Longhorns, graduated from the university in 1949 uh, after serving in World War II. He was one of the 10 most decorated uh, soldiers in the European uh, battlefield in World War II, the recipient of four silver stars, two purple hearts, and a presidential unit citation. Uh, Dennius is well known by Longhorn fans as being a longtime supporter, was at practices and games for more than 70 years up to and including a season ago he was a fixture around Daryl k royal and the texas program he will be missed a moment of silence for frank dennius Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn coverage over at burntorangenation.com. Before we jump in, though, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton with visibility. We are on Spotify now, so you can subscribe on Spotify if you like to keep your music and your podcasts all in the same spot. We're on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, all of those. But again, you can subscribe wherever you like. We'd love to have you a part of the family. And before we jump in, I'd love to let you know about a cool opportunity our podcast host, Podiant is offering to all of our listeners. So if you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, Podiant has got you covered. Uh, They're offering all of our listeners a 14-day free trial of their premium membership and then 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. All you gotta do is go to Podiant, P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O and sign up using the offer code Longhorn. Now, Podiant, I am a huge fan of they're actually our Spotify spot I tried to get it on my own L- literally since we launched the podcast I submitted it through podient and a, like two weeks ago and it happened like for this last episode. So it, they, they get results. They do all the hard stuff for you. It's the same way for Apple podcasts. You get the, you give them your, their stuff. They create the feed and you go from there. They handle all the technical stuff on the back end. So again, you can uh, use their services. It's phenomenal. If you want to sign up for a 14 day free trial and 25% off a really already affordable premium membership, you can sign up using the offer code longhorn. Again, that's podiant P O D I A N T dot C O to get 25% off your first First three months of a premium membership. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by the illest, the realest, Kyle Carpenter. Casey, how are you doing today, man?
1: Oh, I'm doing uh, I'm doing pretty well. It's the uh, start of another beautiful week. Um, we're getting close to August. We are counting down the days. It is, uh, you know, a thousand degrees. But aside from that, doing all right. I've, I've got to watch Co- Coach Popovich smiling in the, uh, the Team USA basketball camps. Uh,
0: things are not so bad. Yeah, it's... You know what? Praise the Lord for Central Air. That's all I'm saying. Like... It is ridiculously hot. Like I looked at the weather forecast. I was like, Oh, it's only going to be 95 this week. That's great. Yeah.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> we've gosh. been warped. It has beaten us the South, the Texas, the Oklahoma. It has taken our sense of sanity.
0: Oh my gosh. So we've got a, uh, a good show for you. The week, great interview uh, for our Texas tech preview. And we'll start off with a little bit of news. And then obviously we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. So uh, first news, uh, some, some sad, frustrating, frustrating, uh, news, uh, Texas Longhorn uh, linebacker DeMarco Boyd has been indefinitely suspended from all team activities pending an investigation into uh, some legal troubles according to uh, hokum.com. Uh, the legal troubles stem from a, uh, a car accident he got into uh, where he uh, ended up striking another driver eight times at least is what uh, onlookers said. So... Um, Kyle, I, there's, it's hard to weigh in on something like this. Uh, wh- yeah. we're, we're not here to pass judgment. We don't, we weren't there. We don't know the situation. Again, the police are doing their job. The program is doing their job. Uh, but let's, let's look at the football side of things. Cause that's really where our only even semblance of expertise in this comes in. So what, what does a loss like Boyd do to the Longhorns who are kind of probably looking to their defense to continue a trend that it started a year ago of being the bell cow for this program?
1: Um, I mean, you, you don't ever want to lose a guy for any, any reason. Just to quickly, you know, say I, I truly hope just personally that this is you know, not a guy we see in burn orange again. I, if, if it's true, as they said, to hit someone that many times, I get you're protecting the family. He's feeling for his brothers in the car. Um, but it's just that that's assault, brother. And that's that's not uh, that's, I you know, that's not I can't really can't really stand for that. And I, I feel like I'd have some trouble, you know. Uh, cheering for that guy in the future but you know that aside from the football perspective um, I don't think it's going to hurt us he's not a guy immediately who is expected to play of course um, you never know he's a three-star kid come in he's a depth chart guy right now but you never know a with injuries if he's forced into play that's not our that's gone from an area that you know we had some guys and we had some really good guys at the top and we weren't sure about the depth we hope we wouldn't need them but kind of with um, Edwin Freeman transferring out and now him not being with the team this year you know all of a sudden that looks to be a little area that could potentially be challenging so we're uh, crossing our fingers and praying for uh, for no injuries to any of the team of course but especially at that linebacker position we have a lot of good guys and we'll talk in the preview about that specific unit because i think that's that could be a key make or break for for this team this season but um i don't think it's an immediate immediate impact um but who knows what he could have developed into in um, the rest of his career uh, on the forty acres, but uh, but yeah, so it's Texas football and Texas defense twenty eighteen, which is what we are immediately looking at. It shouldn't feel this um, too too much um, from a depth chart perspective.
0: Yeah, and it's it's tough to um, you know it's tough to it's tough to comment because again, like we said, if if the allegations are true, it's it's tough to stand stand behind a guy um, for for me. I think the biggest thing to look to look at is, you know, what is what does that do to a a group of players as far as cohesion wise? I mean, he he clearly is very close with a lot of guys on the team, uh, and so that's always something you have to watch. Like you obviously want to send a message to players as a coaching staff that uh, legal entanglements are not something that you want to stand by and stand for. Um, but you have to get a a quick lid on um, any sort of chatter that may emerge. Cause he, you know, he was in, you know, with, with a, he was with, with BJ Foster. And uh, mm-hmm. I think Chris Boyd was also there at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there, there are, those are players that, um, you know, unfortunately, not unfortunately, those are players that could play and be cornerstones for this team. And so you want to make sure, especially with all the chatter going on uh, with, with, you know, former players and, and uh, taking shots on Twitter, which we talked about that last week. You know, you got to you got to make sure that you as a coaching staff keep a pulse on that, because a couple of star guys chattering can turn into a bad situation really quickly. And and Tom Herman, again, had to battle that last year with, with a lot of guys that didn't like him and weren't bought into him. So that's, that for me is the thing that I may be most concerned about is just making sure that a, a culture shift doesn't happen because, you know, one guy made a bad decision um, on, on July 4th after, you know, and car wrecks are emotional things. So I, I could, emotions are flying and adrenaline is going like I, I get, I get that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and like I said, I, I, I hope it's not, um, not going to make anything bigger. But, I mean, every year you'll never get through a season without some off the field. Something that happens when you have this many guys, young guys, kind of hormonal guys. We, like I said, we've we said this many times. We were all nineteen twenty. 22 before in our lives um unless for our young listeners thanks for listening but you know we were there <laughs> we, we were uh, we were those guys and, and or we'll be there at one point right exactly but you know we we had the 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 fortune of not having every single moment of our life documented uh, obviously neither of us had uh, police uh, reports involved but you know it this was this is not a good good decision or a good move, um, but you know there's there's going to be always going to be something that happens, and let's just hope this is the the end of it. We get through the rest of this off season unscathed, and that cohesion uh, continues in just not too long. We're getting close, so uh, knocking wood. Hopefully, uh, hopefully nothing more.
0: We're a month out, which is phenomenal. So because we're a month out. The watch list watch continues, which my favorite part of the show, the watch list update, but we have to talk about it because content, right? So uh, we had Texas had four players named to watch list this week. Colin Johnson, the man, the myth, the legend on the Walter Camp Award. Patrick yeah. Vahe, who is a personal favorite of mine, uh, was named to the Outland watch list, which I believe is the top offensive lineman in the country. Uh, Chris Boyd on both the Nagurski and Thorpe. Watch lists and uh, Gary Johnson named to the Butkus watch list. So we're gonna flip it because we we've talked about the impact of these guys in the past. Which of these players is most likely to be a finalist for this award when it's all said and done at the end of the season?
1: Uh, realistically, um, I'm bullish, and I'm I've said this before. I'm I'm betting big on Chris Boyd this year. Um, so Chris Boyd for the Thorpe Award as a real deal possibility is makes my, my heart a flutter at the prospect. So, um, Kojo Walter camp means something awesome happened on our offense. Um, Vahe, <laughs> I think is legitimately, you know, has a chance to be a really, really good offensive lineman, maybe even make a big 12 team, but to win that Outland is, is, you know, is a, is a big deal. Um, that's basically the, whoever wins that's going in probably the first round of the draft, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big dude who, who they're paying money, uh, to play on Sundays and protect those high paid quarterbacks. So, um, you know, Gary Johnson, uh, uh, again, any of these guys who, you know, I know you all listen to the pod, love you guys. Um, if you want to prove me wrong, you know, that's fine. Uh, go ahead, prove me wrong. And then tweet at us, uh, at Longhorn pod, let us know about it. We w- we would be happy uh to be proven wrong. But I do think I, th- I see Chris Boyd as the, as the most likely. What about you?
0: Okay. Uh, I, uh, I think Chris Boyd is good. I, you know what? I had my issues with Chris Boyd a year ago. It's fine. Um, and I, For me, I really am interested to see how Vahe progresses this year because he's got a guy like Calvin Anderson next to him. So if, in theory, if the rising tide raises all ships, then a guy with NFL prospects should raise the rest of those guys, which Vahe probably has some NFL prospects too. Uh, so I think Vahe has a shot. But for me, man, Gary Johnson, I think is just a, he is a bull in a pen. He is a guy who, when you let him loose and he's the guy on defense, like I, I want to see him move. And he, I think he has the opportunity to be the best player on a defense that will probably again, be a top 10 defense in the country.
1: He never goes anything but downhill. And I love watching that. Like just, just watching him play. That's the type of stuff that if you're, you're, you know, we have a great season and he puts up good numbers and then you watch the tape, that's going to jump off. And maybe that is what propels you to winning one of these national awards because, uh, the guy puts his head down and just goes and i love that
0: he's got a motor that's always running i think you know there are some people that i think uh, that aren't on these lists that could end up maybe having a uh, having an impact on on that award talk later on. Again, like a guy like Calvin Anderson, I think could end up uh, competing for some national awards because I just think that guy has it where it needs. But yeah, I think Gary Johnson just coming downfield, that guy just plays nasty and not like, not in a bad way. Like, that's just what I want from a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Like, just get out there and mash some skulls and, and do not take, make any apologies for it. Just do what you do. So, um, this was, this is a bit of a controversial topic, Kyle. Uh, so ESPN, uh, did some analytics and they rated the national champions of the last 20 years. Last 20 years. So that dates back to, which is ridiculous to say, 1998. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That year was 20 years ago. Kyle, you and I are old and getting older by the second. Uh, And a familiar uh, team and name sat atop of that list. So one, Vincent, Paul, Lamar, Quincy, Young, uh, led the Texas Longhorns to a national championship, and that team was named the best national champion or the top national championship team uh of the last 20 years Uh, you and i were both alive and got to see that uh show in person they beat out the uh, 2008 tim tebow florida gators the oh one miami hurricanes who i'm just gonna say this hot take get a lot of uh hype on that team for guys that didn't play that year just throwing that out there. Yep. Um, the '04 4 USC Trojans, uh, you know, the 2011 and 2012 and probably 2015 Alabama teams. <laughs> a lot of those teams are Alabama teams. Uh, but so it's hard for us to have a conversation about did they get it right? Because, of course, you and I are going to say, yes, each, yeah, they got it right. Um <laughs> So let's talk about the significance of that game really quickly. So, Kyle, how did that game change the perception of the University of Texas uh, in that time?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know if they factored this in. I didn't see their exact metrics they used. But if it was uh, if they counted spins of the Rose Bowl DVD, um, just, just in yours and mine uh, DVD players uh, at home, I think that may have helped put it over the top. But, uh, man, do I love that. I, I don't know if there was a more perfect game of football play we could spend a podcast waxing poetic and breaking down the little uh caveats of that game because it's an all-timer and it may be the all-timer i'm happy to say that um that that team was so good and vince was so important because um there was there was kind of an era around texas and i don't really know a modern day um equivalent but to where they were they were great good no i'll say great but not you know Finishers. They weren't ready to take it to that next level. I think really that all changed the year before in the Rose Bowl game um, against Michigan when Vince just just invented the term Rose Bowl um, to mean a, a, a verb. I believe Webster defines it as uh, Rose bowling is is when one uh, utterly pantses a, a an opponent who who may or may not be highly favored and and that infuriates the the chip on his shoulder all time college quarterback. But um, I think it changed that perspective and, and from that game. All the way through until one year later, the next Rose Bowl. Um, basically, Texas was invincible, even if we weren't supposed to be, or that team wasn't supposed to be, and USC was, you know, was the gods. They, they, in their minds, when they looked at each other, when they practiced, when they played, you know, whatever they did, they were invincible, and they went out on the field and just expected to win and played like it. And it changed the perception that it had been in the recent Texas history of really good teams. I mean, there was. Utter superstars, guys who dominated at the NFL level, you know, your your, your Heismans and Ricky and, you know, just the Priest Holmes and all these guys who just, you know, Texas had a cachet. It was still a big deal. But I think that took Texas and put them at another echelon. That was the, the moment that it said, oh you know obviously we didn't repeat a bunch of times um like alabama and have that dynasty in that capacity but it really solidified mac as you know as the coach um and and all of the coaches on that staff who, who someone went on to, to be coached themselves um just as as elite guys and it truly just just signified that texas is a real deal threat every year and this is why we we it pains us what's been going on recently but what it did right then and I think that lasted for a while is it really it really uh, set that tone and set the baseline um, and, and in some way also raised the fans expectations right you, you could then say we need to be competing for the national championship every year because we'd done it and with Colt you know we were there again so I mean that's That really defined Texas probably for this millennia and this generation that we are a championship team. And that's why we feel like we need to get back there.
0: That's the defining moment for a generation of Texas fans, maybe two generations of Texas fans, uh, where, you know, the people that were maybe ten fifteen years older than us you know had struggled through some really tough times of being a longhorn fan mm-hmm. uh, finally got to see their faith rewarded and for guys like us like that was my third semester on campus man like I'm I am through the stinking roof like I'm like <laughs> okay this is this is what like going to a big time school and you and I were blessed with you know we got to be at Texas with some of the at least the modern golden age of where you know I got there for the first Rose Bowl and had a baseball national championship and we got Kevin Durant and, and and <laughs> The volleyball team was incredible. The women's basketball team was incredible. Like so, that was a golden age for Texas fans, and I think it set the bar. But like, there are guys on that team that are like every guy in a starting spot is basically a legend on campus. You got David Thomas at tight end, who you know, even though he played for the Patriots for a while, he he couldn't control that. That's he drafted him. A guy like Justin Boylock, who maybe didn't have as great of a pro career as a lot of us thought, but great player. Tony Tony Hills, Tim Crowder, Frank Ocam, Rod Wright. Like just these guys are like you can you can talk to a Texas fan of a certain age and they will be able to have a moment of each of these guys like one of my favorite moments of all time is Rod Wright scooping and scoring against OU like I will never forget that that is etched into my memory. Um and and friend of the show Mario will tell you that I I may or may not have not been able to watch the final play of that game. I was way too nervous, uh, so I I've I've seen it in in uh, in hindsight because I just I would have exploded if I watched that play. Uh, either way, because golly, sports do it too. But like you said, I think that's that is the. That's the echelon that I think that set the expectation for what fans are now and why these years have been so disappointing is because there was Vince and then three years later it was Colt. Uh, And for the better part of a decade, Texas fans had that um, Texas fans had that expectation of we're going to compete for a national championship every year. And it started, uh, I think, in 04 and carried into 05.
1: Yeah, and, and I actually, it's funny, I don't, I don't want to beliger uh, the point, but I did, was just looking through the re- the roster on that team and looking at some of the redshirt freshmen who went on to be great. So the guys who got to have that experience and carry them, you know, you're, you're obviously your, your Colts and your Jordan Shipley's and um, Iraq pose and these guys who were just young bucks on that team, you know, who who weren't even you know, suited up, but weren't even the dudes really putting their hands in the dirt. Um, But just that moment and what that translated to and carried on. And, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. Those are the next guys up. Those are the guys that write the night. And you just carry that on and and cycle repeat. And uh, so no pressure, Tom Herman, but that's what we're looking for.
0: That is what we need. We need that. Tom, get us back. So. Things that may get us back there. Kyle and I aren't recruiting experts. We're not going to spend a ton of time here. But Texas picked up a couple of big-time commits and shored up some uh, trouble spots in the 2019 class. So after an on-again, off-again recruiting relationship with Javon Shepard, he was high on Texas, hot on Texas. His Twitter header was Texas. And then he tweeted some Aggie stuff, and Texas fans got a little nervous, and Aggie fans got a little too big for their britches. Uh, Go figure. He committed. (laughs) <laughs> he he made his pledge Sunday evening to commit to the Longhorns. He's a four-star offensive tackle earlier in the day, stealing uh, Javon Shepard stole this guy's thunder. Uh, th- three-star linebacker, former Florida commit Marcus Tillman Jr. has also uh, committed to the Texas Longhorns. So Kyle, uh, 2019 continues to... Uh, Shape up, we've got a lot of time ahead of us. Signing day is still eight months away, so a lot can happen between then and now. But uh, do these pieces make you feel better about what Texas is doing in 2019 after being for A uh, and M was kind of kicking our tail a little bit in the in the recruiting spotlight.
1: It'll be curious, and we talked to Cody about this: what it looks like with the Jimbo momentum and what that levels off to. Um, but the big deal is, hey, Texas won a uh, recruit from Houston against uh, Jimbo's A and M. That's a big deal. Um, for some reason, that's been tough to do. I don't know if Jimbo was you know breadcrumbing some of those stacks of dollars from College Station to. Now I'm not making any accusations. I'm just saying. Could've Bagman
0: been, Kyle Bagman could have
1: been anything, but uh, no, it, it is big to get that. Um, you know. You know i think this is good this is a top 10 class there's no reason uh, the way tom herman likes to recruit he's not a charlie strong get everyone on signing day but you know there's no reason that this doesn't become another top eight top five class which is exactly the sweet spot where you need to be and again I, we we said this so much but league this point um really to a, to to a painful point, and i won't push it but we're a seven win team right now you know th- Go do it on the field. They they win some big games. Um, say they they beat OU. All of a sudden, you just have you get some of that recruiting magnetism, and some other guys stick. And this all of a sudden is now a top three You know, so the the, the recruits are there. They continue to be there. I think these are some positions of need. I think these are you know exactly what we exactly what we should be doing you you texted me actually about herb Han, the picture of him standing with the number two and number three tackles in the state of texas both of whom are playing at texas or committed to play at texas and that's that's how it should be that we should be getting uh, the beef we should be getting the speedsters we should be getting the quarterbacks i want to go back to the days where we decide who we want and we you know like a shopping cart we, we don't even look at the prices we just uh, we just go and, and and grab what we want and fill our cart and then uh, and then check out um you know and, and so this is great this is this is another good commit especially um you know shepherd himself because i think the line was was an area that we were all keeping a very close eye on um and how that's going to look it's going to be Herb Han, who continues to live up to his reputation, is not only a wonderful Twitter follow, uh, but a fantastic uh, recruiter out there on the trail. So um, just looking like a, a bang, bang hire for the Longhorns.
0: And apparently a pretty, uh, pretty proficient pit master as well. Fantastic. Didn't plan yeah. that alliteration. It just happened by happy accident. Uh, no, So I think you're absolutely right. And I think the, the bigger thing for me is Texas kind of shored up the biggest hole in the last couple of years which is tackle i mean getting yeah. whittington who is the the eighth tackle in the country uh, number two guy top top 35 number 34 in the country overall at tackle and then capping it off with with uh shepherd who is a top 250 guy you know number 25 tackle in the country like that's nothing to shake a stick at now um I think Texas continues to needs to continue to build some momentum, and I think there was a bit of uh, silence on the on the, on the recruiting trail because obviously there's that dead period and all of that. But I think the the one last piece that they need, and we'll probably talk to Cody about this again in a few weeks, is is a running back. Uh, I think I would love to see a running back in that class. You know, you've got a lot of momentum. People are saying basically Noah Kane is basically all but sewed up. uh, And his teammate, Trey Sanders, even though he probably doesn't end up at Texas, has some ties in that class. He's more than likely going to end up in Alabama because that's just what happens. Uh, But, yeah, I think getting these guys continues that momentum. And hopefully, I'm just going to say it. Uh, they can gain some ground on the Aggies and continue to um continue to get there. I think again, hot take. I think the Aggie class is being buoyed by um, again a one big five star you know, Kenyon Green, who truth be told is a huge miss for Texas. Yep. Uh, but the average rating for the Aggies is is ninety point five seven. Average rating for Longhorn commits ninety one sixty eight. That's right. I, I'm just saying. That's right. I, I, one one big flip things can happen
1: and again you know jimbo is a guy just again not to hit this but a guy at at florida state who brought in big recruits and did well with big recruits um but you know we'll see what jimbo is in a development stage there are some three stars on this texas roster and some, some four stars um who you know tom herman has showed that he has a history and a commitment to finding the talent no matter what the rating is and and you know building them up um so starting at a at a better footing is an even better place to be at but just continuing to coach them up um you know i'm excited i I, i'm excited to see uh to see Tom Herman earn
0: Jimbo's contract and, and Jimbo uh, get paid, even though he gets fired after four years. We are 33 days away from kickoff. That means we are uh, closing up our season preview series. And this week we've got Texas Tech on the schedule, which means we have the distinct privilege of welcoming in managing editor of Viva the Matadors, Zach Mason, on the podcast this so week. Zach, thank you so much for uh, for joining us.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure
0: to be here. Thank you. So uh, how this is going to work for those of you, this is your first week listening to us. or for you, Zach, we're just going to ask some questions and we want to have a conversation because you know uh, the Red Raiders probably better than anybody that's listening to the show and for sure better than Kyle and I. So we just want to pick your brain (laughs) uh, to see how the Red Raiders are going to look this year. So uh, let's just start where we start every week because the Big 12 is a passing league. So we got to start with the quarterback. So uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Shimanek, Am I saying that right? I always say it wrong. Shimanek, yeah. Shimanek, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was phenomenal a year ago. If it wasn't the year of Baker Mayfield, he probably would have been uh, the the bell of the ball for the Big 12. Uh, but he's playing on Sundays now. Uh, McLean Carter was a huge JUCO transfer in 2017. But Texas fans, though, he struggled a bit in his one, uh, his kind of marquee start, uh, which was against Texas. So is he the guy? Is, is uh, Carter going to be the guy? Or is there going to be – has there been some competition? Or is there going to be competition around that quarter? back spot
2: oh there's definitely going to be some competition um you know first of all i think you hold Shimanek in a, a much higher standard than many of the red raiders do uh, <laughs> we were kind of ready to see him go uh he's had he kind of folded in the bigger moments um but you know you know in the air raid offense numbers can get can add up pretty quickly so you can't always let those numbers fool you but uh no i don't i don't have any confidence really Uh, in any of the quarterbacks in any of any capacity, um, jet Duffy had a chance to establish himself as a front runner in the spring game. And he really disappointed, um, Alan Bowman, he had his chances and he underwhelmed McLean Carter has the most experience of any of those guys, but obviously that's not saying much, you know, he only started that one game, um, and and I don't think he's going to win you a close game in the big 12 when it comes down to it, you know? So I I truly have no idea who's going to start. It's probably going to be either, uh, Carter or Duffy. Duffy is going to be the better athlete, but he's the worst decision maker of all three quarterbacks. And and that's on and off the field. Um, And then Carter is just, he's not a playmaking threat in any way, but he's going to be the better passer. So, I mean, only time's going to tell how this all pans out, but it'll be very interesting. That's
1: so what I was going to ask, was kind of specifically about Duffy. I know he was a hot recruit, I think a four-star recruit out of the Fort Worth area, or DFW area, and really seemed like a, kind of the, the the next big threat for, for Tech quarterbacks. I was curious to see, you know, with, with his mobility and his arm, how that looked. Um, is there any worry just on his status that, um, you know, those off-field issues keep him from... Either, either getting the, the starting job immediately or eventually, you know, if he's even going to be a long-term option at, at Texas Tech?
2: Yeah, I, I think there's some worry. Um, but, you know, if you put yourself in Cliff Kingsbury's shoes, right, you're on the hot seat, he needs a quarterback, and you got to think he's going to keep giving second and third chances to the guys, even if they have, you know, a couple off-the-field issues, if they can save him his job or, you know, get him another year. And I think Duffy has the most potential out of any of the quarterbacks, Um, yeah, it's really, it's just, it's up to Duffy, you know, it's, it's all going to come down to him if he wants to, you know, know, tighten things up mentally, you know, he can be the best option going forward for the next couple of years.
0: So uh, you mentioned Alan Bowman. He was kind of he was a decent get for uh, for Tech. You know, hot, kind of hotly recruited guy by uh, teams in the state. Uh, what, what is he going to factor in at all to this to this competition, or, or is he is it really a, a Duffy uh, McLean situation?
2: Right now, it's a Duffy McLean situation, and I'm basing that off of the spring game because Kingsbury gave the gave the reps to those two. He wasn't really giving a lot of time to Alan Bowman, so that just makes me think that you know that's kind of his hierarchy right now uh bowman has a cannon for an arm like he can really launch that thing and uh but i just think kingsbury's not ready to put his faith into you know true freshman like that i mean all these guys are inexperienced but um i i mean ultimately i think it's anybody's job uh it's just gonna be who can who can prove their worth you know in the next couple of weeks
1: well, I mean, I think I think like you said, in experience, that's that seems to be the threat as I look at this tech team and think about, you know, what we're used to seeing. Usually there's there's some level at, at some position, but I mean, losing not just the new quarterback coming in, but losing the top three receivers and four out of the top five. Um, you know, it is a, still a tech offense. You know, it is still a Kingsbury offense. Um, is is it just guaranteed that you have the, the weapons there? And if so, who's who's the guys we should we should look at uh, at that spot?
2: Uh, It's certainly not a guarantee. Um, I actually, I don't know that we have a clear-cut number one receiver. I was hoping TJ Vasher would establish himself as that guy in the spring game, but he kind of failed to impress. He had uh, an opportunity to catch a touchdown pass that should have very easily been caught, and he dropped that. And I've been told he's been struggling with drops basically all spring, and, you know, obviously, you know, you can't have that. But he was the – he was probably the best – quality prospect we got at the receiver position he was a four-star guy six five you know he's just tremendous athlete he can jump out you know he can jump over the field goal post for all i know like dude <laughs> you know he, he's got ability but uh he doesn't really have breakaway speed but you know obviously with that size you don't necessarily need it if you can get above you know the other corners and stuff, but um yeah, there's other guys. I mean, this, like you said, it's a very inexperienced lineup. JoJo Robinson is a senior and he hasn't really produced much in his first three years, but he had the best spring game out of anybody. Um, Dante Robinson's another big target at six five, who's played some at a tight end. All in all, that's just that's probably the hardest position to predict right now outside of quarterback. We actually have 20 wide receivers on uh, actually on the wow. roster right now. So it's just a matter of who's going mean, to obviously we're going to redshirt a good number, but um, it's just a matter of who's going to step up over these next few weeks. I, I would think Vasher is going to be the guy, but he's got to catch the ball. It's pretty simple
1: that that's a wild stat. 20 is actually, you you know, you may not know this. This is actually the exact same number of receivers in the entire big 10 conference. So, so,
0: Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's five times the number of fullbacks in the big 12 as well. Uh, So you, you mentioned it. So it's later in the rundown, but I'm just going to bring it up now. Um, You know, Kingsbury, it's a, it's an interesting situation with his job security every year. Um, And you mentioned it in the quarterback discussion. And so I just wanted to bring it up while it was fresh. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he got he got a six win last year, you know, to get in the bowl game Um, on on his career. He's 30 and 33. Um, It seems like every year there's talk of Cliff being on the hot seat and it it either pans out or people realize, wait, Cliff is kind of a hometown guy. They love Cliff in Lubbock. Uh, So how how is the is is the seat warm? Is it hot? What's the temperature, I guess, that he is sitting on currently?
2: Well, you mentioned the hometown thing. That's the only reason he's still employed at Texas Tech University. I mean, he's—if it's anybody else, if it's a guy from outside the program like Tommy Tuberville—if—if Tuberville had this record, he would have been gone by now. Yeah. Um, So people in this community absolutely love Kingsbury. They just—they love. He's very, you know, personable guy. He's got good character, and people love how he—he runs a clean program, and uh, you know that's a big thing these days. But you know, you also want to win games. That's always going to be the number one priority. And um, he's really not getting it done right now. He's got, you know, like you said, that losing record. So I'd say his his uh, seat's pretty pretty hot right now. I think this is going to be, if he doesn't have a, a really solid season or at least show some level of improvement, uh, this will be it for him. And he he had signed a you know he signed this extension after his first year or like midway through his first year that was the dumbest thing you could ever do but because he was winning with you know uh it wasn't even his guys that he was right so right uh, we never saw what he could do as a head coach before we gave him that nice long extension so um yeah that's like my number one pet peeve in sports it's like but uh, i'll go off on a tangent there but uh yeah so, um, i think Yeah, he's gonna have to put together a nice season and show, you know, show everyone that he can at least make some improvement. And that's gonna be tough when you don't have a clear-cut quarterback or any good receivers in an offense that relies on quarterbacks and receivers.
1: Well, it seems like you have you have a finger on the pulse of the program. Is there a number in your mind, or that you you kind of think he has to hit?
2: You know, it's like people are they want to give him more and more chances, but eventually, it's like okay mediocrity can only last so long and i don't know it seems like many fans are content with being average as long as they've got their hometown guy who wants to be in lubbock and that's a big deal for texas tech all right people are obsessed with uh coaches who want to be in lubbock and i'm like look man even (laughs) (laughs) even any Like, ask anybody who's ever played at Texas Tech. Nobody wants to go retire there. I mean, (laughs) I I like Lubbock just as much as, you know, I went to to school there. I graduated. It's fine. But, like, it's not a destination place. If you get a job offer somewhere, like, at Miami or something, you're going to take it. And I think Cliff (laughs) Kingsbury would take it. So, but, yeah, the fans are just, they have this image of him, like he's this god, you know, and, you know, he came from Texas Tech and all that. So I think all that to say, they will make every excuse to keep him as long as they possibly can. And so with that said, I think if he wins six games, they'll give him another year. Um I think it should be closer to eight. And I think there's zero chance of that
1: happening.
0: Takes. I love them. <laughs> we, I love the opinions. I love that. We're not afraid of it. So, um, let's, let's talk about some things maybe that are more positive about the program. We, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not all doom and gloom and love Let's, let's talk about one. Let's talk about the defense. I want to talk there. Cause that's uh, if, if anything's going to, um, to really lead the team this year, at least as far as your peace of mind, at least from my research goes, is going to be the defense, um, you know, return top two tacklers. And I think the number is like seven guys that, that started a year ago that you're returning. Um, so this is an experienced defense has got a lot of upper-class leadership, including, you know, Mr. Last Chance, you himself, Dakota Allen. Um, is, this, is this the the defense that, you know, it seems like every year we hear the talk, text, textually really focused on defense this year, textually really focused on defense this year. Is this going to be the year really where we see the defense for Texas Tech kind of lead the charge while the offense seems to be in such a flux?
2: Absolutely. And so this is kind of like – this is just a fascinating time to follow Texas tech football because everything that the team is personnel wise this year is the opposite of what it's been over the last decade. All right. Uh, we have normally, you know, in the past, we've got a good quarterback and stacked wide receivers, no running game, a mediocre offensive line and a horrific defense. (laughs) Literally everything is the exact opposite. Like we have horrible quarterbacks, unproven wide receivers a good O-line, and really solid running backs, and then a stacked defense. The defense is overwhelmingly our strength this year. Yes, we've got Dakota Allen, you know, last chance year. That's where everyone knows him from. But Jordan Brooks is a guy who nobody talks yeah. about. He's the Mike linebacker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, I think he had, like, maybe just a few tackles shy of how many uh, Dakota Allen had. He's a great run stopper. He gets to the quarterback. Like, he's a mean dude, and he's – like, I, I don't understand how he didn't make any of the all Big 12 preseason teams or anything because the dude is a monster. Um, we've got a really nice pass rush. We've got a really good secondary, and I never thought I'd say that, but Sean <laughs> Johnson, uh, we've got some good corners out there who are, you know, just playmakers and, you know, physical guys. Like, we have guys that are actually just nasty, you know, and that hasn't happened really ever in my, since I started following Texas Tech, so um yeah i think it's definitely going to be the strength and rightfully so because if this was a typical texas tech defense we would be like the cleveland browns or i guess kansas jayhawks i mean (laughs) (laughs) we'd be going winless so i
0: love it i love it yeah and and i i i i just had to make the dakota allen shout out but yeah the the tech defense is is uh scary and you guys kind of turn the ball, turn teams over at a crazy rate last year. I think, uh, four, I think 14 interceptions was the number, which is just crazy to think about. Um, you know, what's, what's the number it's, it's a, you know, it's a pass heavy league scoring, heavy league. It's, it's arena football circa early two (laughs) thousands, a lot of times. Um, Uh, so can, is this defense capable of holding, you know, the, the Will Greers of the world, you know, to, three four scores while the offense tries to figure it out
2: yeah so that's going to be really interesting because you know in football the defense usually plays off of the offense if the offense is going three and out every drive and taking 11 seconds off the clock the defense is going to give up points because they're going to be exhausted and they to be on the field the whole game so that's why I'd, I'd really love for uh for tech to get you know running the running the football down because and just, you know, take the ball out of the quarterback's hands, which, you know, again, never thought I'd say. But, you know, <laughs> feed the running backs, milk some clock, and then just let the defense – I mean, we're not Alabama here. I I understand that. But, you know, it's going to be tough if if our offense is sputtering and, you know, doing the three-and-out deal and we go up against the Will Greer at West Virginia, you know, it could get – even though we have players and playmakers, we can only – you know, often, great offense usually beats – Good defense. You know what I mean? So um, I, I think, yeah, we've got to put pressure on the quarterback and we've got guys that can do that now, make people uncomfortable. Uh, the, the thing with turnovers, like, yeah, we usually you don't repeat seasons with high levels of turnovers. Uh, it's a lot of it is actually just luck. So sure. um, I don't think we'll see numbers like that again, even though our defense is going to be better. Um, so I think it's just going to be, you know, forcing three and outs, getting in the backfield and uh, just trying to make things difficult for the quarterback.
1: Well, and I, I will just say counterpoint is the 2017 Texas defense. They had, I don't know, I would say averaged about 17 three and outs. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to flip the script where we throw the ball all around the field. Uh, and y'all can try the thing where you only root for the defense and, and go get a, get a drink while the offense is out there. But uh, <laughs> I will say you mentioned the running game, and I am just curious to hear. So Justin Stockton was sneakily like one of the most productive, effective runners in the country last year. He was very good. Um and, and flew a little under the radar, I think. But uh, Trey King came in and looked, you know, not quite exactly what Stockton was, but looked pretty good. Is he is he the guy definitively? Does he step in and take the lion's share?
2: Well, he's not the athlete that uh Stockton was he doesn't have the wheels that he does, but he's he's competent. That's how I would describe him. Um, and I definitely feel good about tech's offensive line, you know, and right. how much of running the football is O-line, you know, we all know that. Um, so I think Tr- Trey King's going to split carries with Deleon Ward, who was named the, to the Doak Walker watch list a few days ago. Uh, okay. and he's the better player. He's a better athlete, better talent, but Trey King has more big time experience and has shown he can be consistent. Uh, he's not exactly a home run hitter, but it that Ward is, but, um, and, and Ward was actually, uh, tech's leading rusher as a freshman sat out last year, uh, because of academic issues. Gotcha. And, um, yeah, so we'll see if he can return to that level of production. I, but I think for at least at the beginning of the year, they'll be splitting carries and then you would expect daily Ward to kind of slowly take over the, the workhorse
0: role. I mean, it's, it's hard to, uh, to overlook a, a running back from, from skyline high school. Like that's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah is, the is, yep. they, they put out some talent uh so it, we we've talked kind of all around it but you know i want to ask you this one question like what if there's one thing you're watching or one storyline that you're like this is the storyline to follow wire to wire like what's the one thing you're watching throughout this season for for the uh for the red raiders
2: um i think it's gonna be cliff kingsbury's play calling because when you have a roster that doesn't really fit the normal play style that you have. Are you willing to adapt or are you, or are you going to stay in your ways? And, you know, we've got, like I said before, you know, good, good O line, good running backs. Are we going to run the football? Are we going to rely on our defense a little bit, or are we going to, you know, stick with the throwing the ball 55 times and hope that we don't throw five interceptions with our inexperienced quarterbacks? So um, I think that's going to be something to watch, and I'm sure he'll start out the season uh, doing what he normally does with the air raid and just you know volume throwing. But I think eventually he's going to have to play to his strengths if he wants to win games. So uh, I think that's going to be the biggest storyline: is how does he handle that situation? How does he handle this personnel uh, change? Because good coaches they don't stick to their own style. They they just put their best players where they're supposed to be, and they they arrange their schemes around those players
0: i, I think it'll be a er, an early litmus test because i mean you guys don't uh tiptoe into the season you started off you yep. know with old miss and then you know maybe lamar is a little bit of a of an easy one but then houston's yeah. no pushover at this point so it's it's not going to be a cakewalk to start so it'll be into that that's actually i'm really interested to see that as well
2: that old miss game is going to be so interesting to watch because that's a program that's had its issues you know, over the last few years, but it's a power Mm -hmm. five school. And, you know, they have more players, like they have more, you know, straight ballers on their team. But uh, so I think, you know, they've got, they've got some NFL talent there. So how will Texas tech matched up? Um, I don't know. That's going to be just a really fascinating game to watch. And I think if tech gets starts off the season with a loss, you, you can pretty much bet that it's going to be over from there because, um, that's a game you got to win you got to start this season off with some momentum in the right direction and you lose Ole Miss and I don't know I just don't see how they can turn it around and go win a bunch of games in the big 12 you know so we'll see
0: so one of the things that we didn't prep before we do this every week um, we, we call it overrated underrated or appropriately rated and so uh, it's kind of just a fun little thing we do where we we talk some some maybe stereotypes or uh, memes jokes about a a particular school town or fan base Uh, we talked last week and found out that burning a couch in morgantown is actually a felony so we learned some really cool facts about that
1: (laughs) even having a a couch on your porch is illegal so uh
0: it's a ticketable fine yeah
1: good job cops
0: yeah so, uh, so this is maybe maybe the most informational segment on the show today. But uh, so we'll ask you a couple of questions, and, and we want we want you to to let us know whether you think something is overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated, and and right. give us a, a bit of an explanation. So, Kyle, why don't you why don't you kick us off with uh, with our first one?
1: So, I, you know the, the fans are clamoring for it. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated the tossing of tortillas. <sighs>
2: man. Okay, so you guys are asking someone. So I grew up in Austin. Let me give you a backstory here. I grew up here in Austin. I'm born and raised. And I didn't start following tech until I went there. And um, so I'm not as tied to some of these cultures and traditions as every other fan. So I'm going to be probably an outlier. And I'm (laughs) probably going to lose my job at Viva the (laughs) Matador. But I'll say overrated on that. I I don't I don't see the appeal. You know I just and then again I've actually never been to a game as a fan. Not to sound all you know whatever, but I've always been you know working those games. So right, I never right. actually was a part of it. Maybe if I was and I was throwing the tortillas like frisbees, I would get some sort of um, joy out of it. But from where I was sitting, I was just like, ah. I mean, it's a cool scene, I guess. But I don't know. It's it never really hit home with me.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that for sure, yeah. That's that's some good honesty right there. Out of the Viva La Matadors. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> I love it. So our next one kinda dips into some shared DNA that, that uh that Austinians and, and uh what what are people from Lubbock called Lu- Lubbock What do you what's somebody uh, from Lubbock called? Hell if I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, true New
1: Mexicans, aren't they? I'm kidding. Kidding, <laughs> kidding.
0: Oh man, Kyle, <laughs> that <laughs> Whew, all right, so um, overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated, started in Lubbock, ended up in Austin, Stubbs, Barbecue. Um,
2: I would say appropriately rated. Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's, I mean, here's the thing, you know, again, growing up in Austin, there's so many places to get barbecue. I, I'm i kind of, uh, I wouldn't say a snob, but I, I know the options that are out there. And, You're talking uh, to barbecue yeah.
0: snob, so it's okay. Okay, yeah,
2: so I mean. It's fine. I mean, yeah, I'd say it's appropriately rated.
0: Now, as as a as a as a music venue, I'll say it's it's probably a little underrated. I think Stubbs is one of my favorite spots, but we'll, Oh yeah. Good venue. Yeah. We'll keep it moving. Kyle, what do you got next?
1: Absolutely. So, I'm going to jump right in cuz I I'm, I'm 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 liking where this is going. Overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated? Craig Adam and or the rest of the James family.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um let's can i pass on that you can
1: you can you can plead the fifth this is our first ever official pleading of the fifth but on this i will allow it there are i think there are lawsuits pending so
2: yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do a pass on that one i've said enough you know
0: (laughs) oh man okay um our, our last one and this is this is one that i've never heard of so i'm really excited to uh to see uh overrated underrated or appropriately rated apparently this is TripAdvisor's number seven destination in the town of lubbock prairie dog town
2: oh yeah uh so i actually never went out there but i heard a lot of people talking about it and uh based on the feedback which was glowing uh, i guess <laughs> oddly, i guess i'll say underrated because i have not met a person who said it was lame or anything that went out there and was like oh that was a waste of 35 cents of gas or whatever, you know? (laughs) Um, So, uh, I never actually made it out there myself, but yeah, the people of Lubbock love it, so I'll trust them.
1: Okay, I I, I will say I, I I it used to be as high as number two, I think, like four years ago, and that absolutely fascinated me. So I've never like when I think of Lubbock, it, it's literally just you know a, a prairie dog town. But I I do hear it's cool. If I make it out there, I'll try to make it. But I, I mean, if I get one of those, what was that meme from the mid two thousands, the drama prairie dog or whatever? If if I get one <laughs> of those, it's worth it.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's it awesome well zach uh man thank you so much for taking some time out if our if our folks want to catch more uh more of you or more texas tech coverage man where can they find you on the internet
2: uh so yeah twitter instagram all that stuff i'm at zach mason sports and then you know viva the matadors is on both as well awesome
0: well there zach you thank you so much for taking some time out man we really great stuff thank you so much for coming on hey
2: i appreciate it y'all take it easy
0: so that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in college sports altogether. One of our favorite traditions, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, this is not one
1: of those drums you bang. Uh, you bang to uh, to signal the uh, the glorious parade. This is the, this is the banging the drum like a like a war cry, rally cry. I, I'm banging the drum here um, to motivate, to uh, to to shine a light on. Um, something that could uh, that could use a little bit of remediation. So um, I, I'm going to say this is the the demarcation of the end of Texas doing less with more. Um, we talked earlier on the show about the recruiting and, and where Texas sits and it's a good week and, and you know improving always and, and that's great. Um, but Texas has been doing okay, honestly, the past few years. And I, I just kind of looked from Charlie Strong got here in 2014 to 2018, um, and and Texas leads the Big 12 with four and five star recruits. They have 64 of those, which is you know a, a great great uh, turnout. That's that's number one in the Big 12. Um, OU is next with 60, and then there's just a precipitous drop off. TCU with 20, Baylor with 14, Oklahoma State with 12, West Virginia with 10 um, tech with nine. And then, you know, you have your Kansas state, Iowa state, uh, Kansas in there. Um, Kansas state actually with one, by the way, which is just a mockery, uh, you know, good for Bill Snyder, but just a mockery of, of all the things that, that we love about recruiting day. But uh, um, Texas with that much talent, I mean, you're, you're averaging, basically just averaging it out 16 per year where four star five star guys, which by definition are, are guys who, or immediate contributors, potential program changers, anchor guy, you know, that's talent. That's plenty. Um, you know, Charlie did a great job with, you know, the, 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 the word was Mac left the cupboard bare. All right. Well, it's been four years. Um, we've been getting guys. It's it's time for the coaching staff to own this and to see development. We are a 7-win team as the record stands today until we play our first game of this season and we cannot be that caliber of team. I mean, you look at you look at teams like Oklahoma State with with twelve of these guys um, over over that time, um, and they've had you know some some pretty doggone good seasons. Ending last year, you know, finished number fourteen, number eleven the year before that, um, you know, um, and I believe number twenty the year before that. So it's just it's tough to see that. It, it hurts a little, but you have to as a Texas fan be cognizant of that reality and demand better. Um, we have to continue to hold that standard of excellence because that's where Texas should be. Getting the recruits, that part's fine. Keep getting them. Get more. But then you have to put the product out. So just you know, in that time, Texas is uh, seventeen and nineteen in the Big 12, 47 win percentage. OU is thirty-four and six. That's an eighty-three percent, almost double um, in the the win, you know, just the the winning percentage category against the the peers in the Big Twelve. Um, and it gets almost uglier with the uh, with the overall record. So I mean, it's just. Uh, you can win off the field, but it's about time that Texas starts, you know, letting that show on the field. And I know attrition, I know cha- coaching changes, I know all these things. We know that. Let's start from scratch. We start here. It's a new day. This is year two, Tom Herman. Let's let's go out and and put all of that talent, all of these guys we know can be game changers, um, to the best possible use, and let's uh, let's make Texas great again.
0: Oh, man. So speaking of making Texas great again and the coaching staff kind of taking ownership and stepping up, uh, my bang the drum, uh, the statement I put in our show notes is Yancey McKnight should be classified as a performance enhancing drug. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, Yancey McKnight is the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, excuse me. He's um the Director of Strength and Conditioning, I think, is his official title. He was the Director for Football Sports Performance at Houston. He came over uh, with Tom Herman when he came from Houston. And if you don't follow a lot of the players on Twitter, um, they were singing his praises this Off season, so they kind of they they uh, they all kind of concluded they're in off season training, and let's just let's just read some numbers. So Josh Thompson, quarterback, who's coming off an injured knee, uh, squatted at the end of his off season program five hundred and fifty five or five hundred fifty pounds, which is one hundred twenty five pounds greater than his max before his knee surgery. Uh, Let's see. Max Cummins, who again is coming off of a knee injury, uh, linebacker was able to put up again, coming off of knee injury, 585 pounds, Be- darn near 600 pounds. Cade Brewer, guy who's probably going to contribute a lot for Texas, jumped 115 pounds again, coming off of an ACL injury, and then you know you got um, Daniel Young, running back who's squatting 515. Brandon Jones jumped up to six hundo. I like that one. The, the big number though, Mark Marquez Bimage, who went viral with this, um, squatted 700 pounds, which that's a lot of weight. That is, that's a lot. And that's just insane. The, the progression that these players are seeing in one off season with, uh, you know the ability to really develop a program that's going to develop these players bodies cuz again that's been the issue is the players haven't developed the talent's been there uh, but the the players haven't developed and you know even on top of that i think the culture that these players are creating of we're not just competing on the field we're not just competing with the other players we're competing with our own abilities and our own bodies to get better um and the video of Bimage hitting that 700 squat with every player in the locker room just cheering him on and getting him hyped, like, that for me is a winning culture. And I think... You can do a lot more with culture than you can do with talent. I mean, you could see, you've could you seen that with teams like Iowa State and with Kansas State, like Kyle just talked about, where they've come out and smacked some five-star and four-star kids that were in other uniforms that thought they were going to be able to just roll it out because I wear burnt orange. So I love the, the, the focus on development. And kids that are celebrating that they got their tail whipped for six, eight weeks uh, but are seeing the results. And so I think when you have guys that are bought in to the process, I, I hate that, you know, trust the process has been kind of a meme at this point, but it's true when you got guys that, oh gosh, like I listened to my coach. I did, I ate what I was supposed to. I worked out what I was supposed to. I gave my effort and I just squatted 700 pounds or I hit personal records on things like that those are guys that are going to be bought in for the future and i'm just so excited to see uh how this team continues to progress uh over over the coming years and and you know how it it translates to the field for 2018
1: i'm just going to say i'll I'll pop on real quick I did Breckenhager's 18 for 18 a couple weeks ago when they released that list of freakish, you know, athletes. And I'm going through looking at some of these linemen and they're like, oh, my gosh, he squatted 600 pounds. And I'm like, yo, our safety just did that. okay? (laughs) our safety just squatted 600 pounds. Man, that's that's legit. I'm excited to see these 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 firing sinewy, muscly boys out there uh doing some things on Saturdays man this is this has got me hyped I'll admit I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on this a little
0: bit It's hard not to I mean you say 700 pounds and you're like oh, okay <laughs> like 700 pounds is not something to uh to turn your nose up at I I haven't done 700 pounds I don't think you and I together our max may get close to 700 pounds at least at our peak but still that's a whole lot of weight Uh, but that's our show for this week thank you so much for listening in Kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet
1: you find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter firing off takes every week
0: you can also find him on Spotify we are again uh, please subscribe wherever you find us on Apple podcast Spotify Google Play wherever you found us you can find me on Twitter at GH Goodrich follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn pod thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook em. Hook 'em! hook